Hey, Matt. Hey, Peter. I didn't think I would be recording a podcast today. <laughs> Why is that? Well, it's my son's due date, so, like, come on. He's already <laughs> late. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, you know, he can't even tell you his excuse yet. That'll come. <laughs> He's trying to morse it with, like, punching my stomach, I think. <laughs> nice. Hey, I want to ask you something. Mm-hmm. Be a little vulnerable here. Oh, no. Um, could you see yourself record this podcast for five years? I could, but only as it, like, evolves. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a fair uh, <laughs> modifier. Yeah. 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 I mean, assuming it adapts to what people want and what we want, and those continue to overlap, then let's let's do it. Yeah. I was... Um... I was listening to Jason Calacanis and he had um, the guys from Acquired on his show. Um, and I, I love the guys from Acquired. They're really great. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. And they were talking about like how it takes three to four years before you really, you know, it really starts to work out for a podcast. Interesting. And uh, I thought about it and like, like when I thought about it that way, it was like, I could see myself do that for another three or four years. Like, I mean, obviously, you would want it to evolve, um, but like it, the the thought of doing this for another five years didn't like you know freak me out or you know make me yawn or something. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, not here either. That so it's kind of like, like, is there a vision for it? Like, I mean, in the beginning, it was mostly just to like share updates, and I mean, it makes mm-hmm. sense for you at least with Summit. Um, mm-hmm to also like have a podcast because there's an overlap for at least with your audience. Um, mm-hmm. I got to pay customer from the podcast as well. So, you know, cool. <laughs> but I don't know if th- 65 episodes is worth one customer, but <laughs> you know, but yeah. like, yep. what do you see this become potentially? Oh man. Um, well, I didn't prep oh, you. <laughs> no, for this no, question. it's fine. I will say like one thing that's, happening is i think it's building a lot of goodwill in the Mm. community and goodwill is currency for a lot of things Mm. and you know i don't do it to build that goodwill i do it because i just enjoy i just enjoy talking to you and, and having a podcast and it's probably a little bit more selfish than that of just it's fun to have a podcast and get thoughts out yeah um, but i I see the effect of the of the goodwill and the um, knowledge of what I'll just speak for Summit and, and Matt here of what I'm working on as already paying dividends, um, mm. and I really don't know why that should stop. I, I really think that you know the attention we are in the attention economy, and this is a way of of folks giving some of that precious attention to what you know, our endeavors and mm. that's, um, that's really special. And I, you know, I don't know what it's worth in the future, but I know right now it's worth feedback. It's worth, fo- you know, that goodwill of folks being willing to help out. I, I've even had in the last week, multiple people reach out saying that they're investors and they've been following along and would like to know more about summit. Yeah. So that's, I mean, just think of the the leverage is real um, yeah so i'm not gonna you know I, i'm not gonna undervalue that yeah i mean for me i i don't see myself stop doing startup stuff in the future mm-hmm. like maybe i don't want to be like a founder forever but like even if you if i wanted to do angel investing one day or whatever it was like you know having a some sort of platform is always nice absolutely i i really love sharing in order to see if it resonates and if it does answer questions and help others frankly yeah. i love that i love to teach what i know and yeah paying it forward sharing and investing would be an awesome yeah. way to spend the next you know 5 to 10 years assuming summit is successful yeah, for sure. Awesome. Just kind of like 
thought we i don't know episode 65 a little mm-hmm. you know in between milestone yeah so uh, just kind of like check in <laughs> yeah no good conversation for sure awesome so uh, do you want to roll in into some manager updates uh yes because that's the strategic part yes <laughs> right <laughs> gonna lead with the good stuff yeah all right should i go first or do you want to go first uh sure i think you have some notes I do actually. I started writing notes down um, in Notion because I only I mentioned the wrong things on the podcast. <laughs> like I had something I thought about through the week that I really wanted to bring up, and yeah. then I just talked about something else that kind of like just you know was on my mind five minutes before we started recording. Yeah, that's um, so it's just nice to like have a. That's what I did in the beginning. I always wrote down like a few you know keywords just to kind of like the. Th- themes i wanted to go over mm-hmm. yeah so as i said last time um i am not working on anything big right now i'm just purely in in planning mode like in my mind <laughs> it's like uh anything i can do right now that makes it easier for me to come back um after having a baby mm-hmm. is worth it Absolutely. um so basically I guess that's on the manager front, but on the maker front, um, Bjorn is working on on the environments and host stuff that I talked about last time. And I guess my job really is kind of like as a manager on that project because basically everything that informs that project is conversations that I've had with customers or, mm-hmm. you know, just um, domain knowledge that I have. Um and it's just a very, you know, it's not, it's not a project where we need like a Tailwind expert or like, you know, it's it's a, a project where we really need to nail down, you know, our customer profiles. Mm-hmm. So it actually does require a lot of thinking and playing around with it. Um, so I'll basically, you know, have an idea for how I think it would should work. And I'll discuss that with Bjorn and he will build like maybe a simple prototype and we'll click. So we have something to click around. Um, and I'll kind of like try to map that to what I, what I heard from a customer. Um, so that's, we have a big project going on, but I'm not like the main person running that I'm just, you know, uh, feeding information and, and basically my knowledge. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, How are you, how are you guys doing design right now? Is it in person? Um, on the whiteboard or what's your yeah it's it's, we're really excited that we get to be in person right now um so at least probably two two days a week we get to work from the same office um and that's just it just brings a completely new energy i think um so it's literally like you know bjorn will mock up something or like built like a prototype and i'll literally like slide on my chair over to his side of the table and like have a look and that's you know yeah i old school style i know i know and i i'm trying to remember who was i listening to oh yeah (laughs) actually i was listening to an interview between uh jason calacanis and um dylan field who is the founder and ceo of figma Okay. And Dylan said something really interesting, which was, you know, we've adapted to remote, but I still believe, I'm not quoting him exactly, but he still believes in the benefits of being in person. Yeah. And that just struck me as a little nostalgic, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> a, a little bit of uh, sentimentality and uh, longing for those in-person discussions again, because yeah. I don't need them all the time, but um I think once or twice a week at a whiteboard or in a conference room for an hour or two and then grabbing lunch can just completely change a dynamic or chemistry or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. solution, you know? So that's great. You can do that. Yeah. And yeah, just feeling blessed that we, that we get to do that. Um, cause I know how it is in the U S right now. Um, things are much better here in Denmark. Um, and in many places in Europe, I guess, yeah, like COVID wise, I I think like here in Denmark, we get, you know, 50 to 100 new cases confirmed a day. And that's testing maybe 30,000 people. So it's a very small percentage of 
people mm. that are you know positive that's great so it makes you feel a little bit more com- comfortable being in the same room <laughs> as other people mm-hmm. um, yeah man and our office is small so you know it's not like we're 200 people yeah we're like 10 12 people in the same fairly big room so yeah we are being very conservative right now though because i i don't want to be missing <laughs> my son's oh birth. man yeah that's that's a pretty big downside yeah one sneeze man oh man and that's it so, yeah anyway so like the thing that i spend most of my time on in the past week was you know basically going through the traction book and brainstorming and playing around with different um you know tools to like test seo keywords and just a bunch of things like based on those channels and doing the brainstorming um it's been quite interesting um it wasn't you know you have to try to like keep like an open mindset um but you know you're still it's just hard not to have biases against some of these channels um one channel i wanted to be like open-minded about was seo um no matter what i looked for and like terms of keywords and stuff like that i just don't see seo becoming a big channel for branch like you know the most relevant searches for our product would maybe have like you know like the the biggest ones would be maybe 500 searches a month um and we already rank pretty well for those so it's like that's not going to make a huge difference um so no like stuff like wordpress continuous integration like we'd be somewhere in the top five for that and that would get like a couple hundred searches a month um you know maybe down the the road like a phrase like that will be searched more often but probably like we would be a major player at that point anyways um for the same reason like running ads in a search engine which is like one of the things they say in the traction book is like you should at least try that I just don't see it make any sense to like spend my time on that right now. So you're supposed to kind of like pick three different channels. Um, and that's sort of what I've done. Um, and that's going to be basically my Q4 plan is going to be to find, I announced this on Twitter, but the plan is to go from, we're currently at 12 customers and go to hundred customers. So the, the Q4 plan is going to be, basically uh, find a traction channel that could get us to 100 customers and sort of also at the same time prove that we have product market fit with that, with the, you know, the customers in that channel um, using the the survey that we talked about last time. Um, yeah, so the channels that I picked um, to play around with was um, social and display ads and business development and content marketing. And I think I'm going to talk mm. way more about these in the fall uh, when I start testing the, you know, different strategies within those channels. Um, But I do want to mention a few points um, about why I think they could be great. Um, Something I think about a lot with this stuff is, you know, we're, you know, I'm, I'm doing all this myself and then Bjorn is, is doing development. um, And I really need to be think about like, you know, ways to leverage things in multiple ways um so i'm trying to think about like what are the things or the you know the strategies and stuff that kind of like feed into each other and you know multiply and like two plus two is five or something like that um so one of the one of the strategies that i'm actually really excited about and i think i'm gonna try and i i kind of you know give this away on twitter the other day um but i'm thinking about starting a wordpress podcast yeah and, you know, it's like, I don't think there are enough podcasts for the things that I'm interested in. Like, I'm always looking for new stuff. And I know a lot of people feel like that. And it's not very, it's not a very crowded space. There are a lot of WordPress podcasts, but, you know, there's always room for one more. <laughs> and, Absolutely. And it's like, I could, in my mind, like podcasting is not intimidating anymore. It's something I'm used to. Like, I've done it 65 times with you now. Um, and mm-hmm. I've been a guest on other people's podcasts. Um, so it's something that I'm really comfortable with. Like, I know exactly how it works. Um, so the, you know, a good way to test this would be like, you know, find some interesting people, schedule 
you know, like back to back recordings, one or two days, just get like, you know, 10 episodes or something like that. And then mm. just, you know, put them in a feed and get them out one every week. Yeah. And then, you know, so you'd spend a couple of days on that and I could get someone to edit it. And, and then, you know, you have that thing going for a while. And if after, you know, those first 10 episodes, it looks like it's something people are interested in, like, you know, you can obviously, you know, double down on that channel. Um, But, um, you know, I think there are many, like with this podcast, we're not trying to get a lot of listeners, like we're not trying to grow it. We're just you know, doing it because we enjoy doing it. Right, right. Um, but with this podcast, like, obviously, I would want to promote the heck out of it. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, I could hire someone to, you know, put clips together and put on different social platforms or, like, turn the transcripts into blog posts, like, whatever. Like, there's so many things that you can leverage the content mm-hmm. that you record. Like, it's so quick to record it. Like, it literally just takes the time <laughs> that it takes to record. Yep. And then you can hand it off to someone, um, which I think is great. Um, another thing I thought about is with a podcast, like it's not only a source of users, like it could also be like a hiring, uh, channel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought about like with a product like branch, like when I look at the kind of like the whole, you know, when I look at my customers, my potential employees, my partners, like they're all in the WordPress ecosystems, like one way or the yeah, other. Yeah, for sure. So like it's super high leverage, you know, because my partners could listen to the podcast. They could even be on the podcast. Future employees could be on the podcast. My customers could be on the podcast or listen to the podcast. Like it just makes a ton of sense. Yeah. So absolutely, that was exciting. Like, you know, last week I thought about this role um, I've kind of like been building in my mind and I'm not now referring to it as the head of learning. <laughs> mm. um, and I just thought about I like, like someone who would enjoy the kind of podcast that I want to create, like would potentially be a good candidate for that role. Um, So, or someone who would listen to that podcast would know like someone who would be a good candidate. So, you know, it just, it would just make a lot of sense, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, And obviously branch would be the sponsor of the podcast every week. (laughs) Um, Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I think um, for me, at least I'm an intercom customer, but the inside intercom, I don't know if that's still the name. That was the name when they yeah, started. Yeah, I think I, it now, is. Now I just tap it. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a really good podcast from what you it know. It is. I mean, for a brand, for a company podcast, it has... I listened to the episode you recommended the other day. Right. Yeah. We can link it in the show notes. The one about... Um, I don't remember product what the title strategy. was. Product strategy mm-hmm. might have just been the title, but... I it mean, was something where product strategy versus company strategy. Yeah. And wasn't it... Um, it was Desk Trainer and Paul Adams talking? Sounds right. It's just amazing. I mean, it's just, anyway, it's a great example of a podcast that to me builds brand affinity. And if I weren't mm-hmm. a customer of Intercom, yeah. I'd be thinking, wow, if this is how people think that run the business, <laughs> then either A, the product, is, the product is probably worth looking at, or B, yeah. if I'm looking for a job, these are the kind of people I'd love to work with. Totally. Um, right. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and kind of like speaking of that role, um, I had an idea back in January, February about how I how I kind of like wanted to do like a DevRel or developer advocate program. Um, so some sort of like branch power user program mm. where it's like they're not my, you know, they're not the kind of person that I necessarily think is a dream customer for branch because they don't run an agency, like maybe they're more of an influencer, but they, you know, enjoy playing around with tools like this. And they, you know, they want to become experts and I could do v- many different things to incentivize them to use branch and, and, and create learning materials about it and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I also thought about like how a program like that, like if I'm slowly starting to think about hiring people, like a program like that would be a very good hiring channel as well, because, you know, if, if I put it out in like my developer advocate community that there's like, you know, five blog posts up for grabs, you know, they're mm-hmm. $500 each or whatever. And, you know, five people do that. And one of them is like exceptionally good at writing blog posts and already know branch super well. Like I want to hire that person, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. So I, I started diving into that whole, 
um, now that I have a little bit extra time on my hand right now, diving into that whole, you know, community about developer relations, developer advocacy, um, developer marketing. So I downloaded a ton of podcasts and mm. reached out to, um, there's a woman on Twitter called Tessa Creasel from Minneapolis. And she mm. used to work at Pantheon, which is um, one of my partners. And she started the hero program that they have. Cool. Um, and now she works in DevRel at Twitter. And she, she, oh, wow you know, um, sent me some links as well. Like she's really savvy when it comes to this stuff. Um, so nice. if people are interested in De DevRel stuff, follow her on Twitter. Um, yeah. So that's just been an interesting kind of like thing to dive into. Um, mm -hmm. finally something I thought about, you know, and I, I kind of like want to mention here, cause one of the, ch uh, the, the, the traction channels I mentioned, I wanted to double down on or not double down on, but you know, test out is business development. Yeah, and specifically, that's the partnerships, and people might be thinking, like, haven't you already like tested those or like worked on those? And it is true, like, we do have partnerships with some of the largest hosting companies right now, and we have really mm -hmm. good relationships with them. But the thing is, you know, two and a half quarters back on the podcast with you, like you, you recommended this, and I took your advice to kind of like think about the ho the hosting companies more as customer development. Because mm. it's hard for me to, it was hard for me to, at the time to like, just say like, okay, I want to partner with this hosting company. So they'll send me X amount of customers. Like that's not how it works. Yeah. Um, but their customers are my target customer. So I want to learn everything I can from them and build up a relationship with them, which is what we've been doing. Mm -hmm. But what that also means is now, like I can double down on some of those relationships and start really testing them out because there's a lot of stuff that I can do that I, you know, where I can basically own the timeline. Um, with most of these hosts, like I have an open invitation to write a guest post, for example. Um, or like I could run ads on LinkedIn for people who like something we put on the Pantheon blog or something like that, right? So there's a lot of stuff I could still do to test those partnerships and to start turning them into more of an acquisition channel and not just, you know, like a customer development kind of channel um yeah you can shift gears now on those yeah for sure. yeah yeah you know i'm pretty excited about working on all those different channels and strategies and you know being more uh, strategic about it and really doubling down on an acquisition in in the fall and i think you know if we can get from 12 to 100 customers in in q4 and we can find some traction channels that has good potential you know this uh, this yeah. is going to be exciting. <laughs> That's a big deal, for yeah. sure. Um, and yeah, things are definitely picking up momentum for you. I've enjoyed your Slack, little Slack updates <laughs> that come through. It's like another one and another one. So yeah, I mean, it's awesome. not that many paying customers yet, but like the pipeline is starting to build. Like I had someone who was recommended by a hosting company signed up, and you know his first or his second time in the in the chat was basically him asking how can i have two paid accounts <laughs> because oh, cool. he's a yeah. he's a contractor who's referred by an eight of by a hosting company but he works for several agencies and they all want to use branch because he told them that they should use it because he's going to be a better contractor if he has that hmm. um so one of them is paying now and i'm wow. just you know excited to see if he'll bring on more of those uh, yeah. paid accounts that's great so that's just you know you see the engine really start to work and that's just really exciting Absolutely. Yeah. I guess uh I guess that's that's my manager update. I'll save uh I'll save my um my maker stuff uh drama for uh for the after show. Okay. <laughs> drama yeah, drama. Yeah, well, there's always well, sometimes there is a little drama on the maker side. Um Yeah. That's cool, man. That. Cool, cool. Um, yeah. What's going on with you? <laughs> What's going on with me? Nervous you told me in Slack you had a breakthrough over the weekend. I don't know if it's a podcast-ready breakthrough. Yeah, I don't... Well, yeah, I think it is. I think it is. So I, I... I've just... You know, this is like a repeating pattern in my entrepreneurial journey is that I tend to create... I tend to create products that don't really exist yet, <laughs> which sounds super... <laughs> like self-aggrandizing um but it it's it, it you know everything's a remix let me put it differently sometimes you know 
every note's been played, every tune's been sung kind of thing. But you do come up with original mixes sometimes. And I know with my last company, it was always hard to explain exactly what it was because all the in-market tools, you know, were anyway, they, they just weren't, it wasn't, it was apples and oranges, right? And so I think with Summit, I've had just a similar challenge of really um, answering the question of what is it? Mm-hmm. You know, what really is it? Because I've talked about it on multiple levels. It's, it works as an application. It works for certain use cases, but it's also a language underneath and it has templates and mm-hmm. and all of these um I wouldn't say domain agnostic things because they're they're not. They're actually domain specific to finance, um, right? And so that's that is one thing that stops it from being general purpose or like Excel. Let's say it it is scoped towards finance, and that's actually the strategic benefit of it or competitive advantage of it versus more general purpose tools. But even within that space, I mean, it's a big it's a big world out there, and mm. answering the question of what it is is something I've been challenging myself to do so that I can, we talked about this in the last episode, just being able to articulate it to, you know, prospective employees, new team members, investors, existing investors, um, and getting the, uh, frankly, getting the positioning right, right? Like for getting Mm -hmm. those kinds of transactions or people are trying to invest or join the business, um, getting the positioning right you know, re- like really knowing what it is. Um, it kind of reminds me of April Dunford's, you know, uh, of course her book, but she has this, the example in there of the cake pop. <laughs> and it's like, if you describe it as like, um, <laughs> you know, a, 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 a bunch of a dough ball on a stick, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, like I had a slice of cake. I, like that sounds terrible, you know? Um, but if you understand what it is, like, oh, it's a cake pop, then of course suddenly things click it works um so what i'm really excited about and the reason for this is chasing that clarity so the the clarity of being able to know what it is really helps inform where it fits in the market you know your product strategy your corporate strategy your go-to-market strategy all these things and i i didn't really invest in figuring this out with you know the let's say the early versions of summit because um i just didn't even know if the product like if the value proposition was going to work for people and and be Mm. a viable business i think with this version and the traction that i'm getting it's worth figuring that out but then you know it's this constant battle of at least for me of believing that i and know what it is but when you put words on something it can limit it so fast right it, it, yeah. it finds it and that's a good thing that, that that actually is the clarity without that limiting factor there's no such thing as clarity if you don't say what it is you know you don't know what it isn't right so it's, it's not that's um that's to be expected but if i'm gonna put words on it and do that i just want to know that I'm that that's that is the big thing that I'm chasing and and for me it has a lot to do with just my enthusiasm and my own motivations of knowing that I've put you know the right words on it which keep me excited about the potential mm. um while still somehow you know showing me how to get from where I am today to that big potential so it's 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 um it's a challenge you know and you tweeted about this and that resonated a lot with me actually Mm. about how you know you have to you know envision your overall strategy or and not necessarily end goal but like what you're trying to do but still be comfortable in all the different stages of that or like to get there yeah i was talking about um really it's the art of a long-term view where you're thriving in that long-term world that you believe is coming. Yeah. You know, with or without funding, you have to figure out how to survive today. Yeah. And I think what funding lets you do is you can leapfrog some of these transitional forms that you see in the market. So I do believe that in the 
current the space that Summit is in, let's just call it finance, uh, and especially startup finance and financial modeling. I think there's some transitional forms out there that are good and useful. Yeah. Um, in other words, new kinds of funds, new kinds of funding, you know, alternative VC, um, you know, the Brex card, for example, even, um, these are all good, but I, you know, that's not the end game in my mind. Like, where's the industry going to be in 10 years is different than those, those things we see in market today. Mm. So I, I'm definitely thinking long-term with this. I mean, my last company for perspective, I had the idea in 2004 and I worked on it until 2019. <laughs> so I, I don't tend to get excited about and pursue things where I think it's a, you know, it's a two year horizon, right? It's things that I believe are going to be um, important and continuing to evolve over a 10 plus year time frame, right? And, mm. and I think right now we're at an, you know, we are at this point where things are changing faster, you know, especially with finance and fintech. Um, yeah. Things are, you know, things have, I hate to talk in such like weird generalities, but it's not really silly to say that things are finally in the cloud <laughs> when it comes to finance. <laughs> and, uh, you know, other things have been in the cloud for a while, but finance is not a fast to move industry. Mm. And for the most part, it's pretty new to be able to sign up for something like Plaid as a developer and integrate with someone's, you know, banking accounts mm. easily and seamlessly with a single set of endpoints. I mean, that's that's amazing and only relatively new. And so the, the, the thought in the back of my mind is, you know, where is Summit in all of this, right? Is it a product? Is it a platform? Is it a language? Is it all three mm. somehow? And I really care about the definitions of those things. I think they get abused so much in terms of, what is a platform versus a product? And I really like um, Bill Gates has a hilarious definition of a platform. Well, it's funny because the context is somebody was trying to tell him about Facebook being a platform. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Bill Gates said something effective, you know, that's complete. That's, uh, that's a lie, you know, because Facebook's not a platform. Facebook is a, it's an aggregator to use Ben Thompson's language. Um, mm. But it's not a platform because a platform according to Bill Gates, who's the ultimate, you know, chief of platforms is something where the economic value of the businesses built on top of the platform actually exceed the value of the platform itself. Mm. And so you, can imagine, you know, people building applications for windows, if you added up the market cap of every company that's ever built an application for windows, it far exceeds Microsoft. Now Microsoft right. by itself is worth an incredible amount because it's the underlying platform for all those things. But you know, this is, this is different, right? And I think platform got overused for the last decade or so in startup land. Um, yeah. But a lot of things aren't platforms that claim to be, you know, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, I mean, one good example is I don't think of Stripe as a platform. It has great APIs, <laughs> um, but they're not a platform company. You know, they're not sitting there helping companies use some underlying technology to build applications they're handling well, credit lift I mean, and stuff like that yeah i mean they're yeah. they're handling credit card processing and, and payments yeah, for companies right. but that's not the same thing as you know an os or yeah that's right you know an sdk per, per se right i mean developers building yeah. financial app if you're building a payment app you're thinking you like really a, actually like a platform like if like think about the metaphor of what a platform actually is like in the real world yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. Exactly. It's something yeah. that you build on top of. Um, yeah. And so in that sense, I do think of things like Shopify as platforms. Right. Um, but those are different. And so as I think about Summit, it's really a it's a question of, you know, Summit the language is one thing. Summit the product that people sign in and use. Is that just... And this is just me being rhetorical, but like, is the current product people are using, is that just one example of, of the kind of application you can build using the technology that I built right mm. underneath? And if so, is it like, you know, grab another analog, you know, is it like Nintendo where Nintendo made Mario Brothers, but 
of course other people are going to make other games right mm. um so you you know you're not going to be the only one that makes those things and so i've it's uh it's weird to exist at kind of these multiple layers um of tech and ask yourself you know what does the market actually need what's the application that's going to really allow the company to be viable in the short term yeah right and those yeah are, that's those the are thing like you that's the art like <laughs> trying right like that's the art right being comfortable making being a, a company that makes money f- from sending up satellites and then you know like in the future actually what you want to do is send people to other planets but like that's not mm-hmm. something you could do right now but you still need a the, the company still needs to do productive pro- probably also profitable stuff right now and make money and you yep. need to be comfortable with that even though yeah. you know that's not necessarily the end game like it's still value yeah. creation and it's still like you know you're still working towards something like it's yeah. still facilitating or advancing the technology and stuff like that right 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 and but what what elon musk for example is so good at doing is casting the vision of we're going to mars mm. and then backing into what would it take to get there well we need reusable rockets we would need you know to prove this we would need to do that and so he lays out all the things that you're going to need to do to support that vision and mm. those things happen to be incredibly valuable because the market needs those things um yeah. you can sell and license them along the way but you know it, it's um we're not all elon musk and we can't all show up and say hi you might remember me from <laughs> from my uh <laughs> paypal days or whatever it is or my tesla days um and and so even you know i'm thinking a lot about pitching and the narrative and if you walk up and and you say hi we're going to build reusable rockets someone might say that's really cool what's interesting i mean and this is the art what's really weird about it is if if, if somebody does that and they finish and well they they pause halfway through and say so yeah we're gonna we're the we're the reusable rocket company there's your positioning right yeah um and then what's what's awesome is if we're if we're the reusable rocket company, we can use those reusable rockets to go to Mars, right? Yeah, that's a very different framing, a narrative arc than we should go to Mars. We're the company that's going to do that. Yeah. And in order to do that, here's the things we need to build and do. Yeah, but like when SpaceX is trying to sell a rocket to a tele company or something like that. Like the the telecompany don't care about sending people to other planets, so like they still no. need to also be excited about their satellite r- rockets right. or whatever. Right. So, so now you're distinguishing and, between in market customer facing positioning, yeah, in market investor and team like when, if I'm if I'm selling branch to an investor, like I might talk about you know, all the features we can add in the future. And like, mm-hmm. I'll, I might talk about like how big WordPress is compared to, you know, other markets we could expand into yep. and stuff like that. But like, if I'm trying to sell branch to an agency in somewhere in Texas, like they don't care <laughs> about how big the Laravel market is or the Drupal market or the Ruby and Rails market is. Like they, they care about how they- branch makes deployment easy for WordPress. Fair, but I'll add, if you have an enterprise buyer, it, it all depends on the horizon that somebody's buying on. So if True. you have a buyer that's thinking about using Branch as their deployment tool for the next, like they're making a big, oh yeah, so like, like a big commitment, right? Yeah, then, so like they need to be convinced that like when everything moves to headless static sides, like Branch will go in that direction as well, or like if they... Yeah. Yeah, right. That makes sense. What, exactly. Holy. And so then you're kind of in this question. I, and I think the middle term is kind of a good area to focus because, of course, investors are taking the super long view. Somebody that yeah. just has a problem, somebody's hair that's on fire just wants water, yeah. so they're not taking a long view. The medium <sighs> view is maybe where it's so hard because that's the buyer that maybe has larger aspirations. And it's also team members, maybe, and yourself that have maybe two, three, five year aspirations. And like, mm-hmm. what is Branch going to be in the end of 2021? It's kind of this horizon that's, um, 
it's challenging, right? And and anyway, mm. I'm thinking a lot about this for Good summit stuff. at the moment. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm having fun with it. And so over the weekend, I feel like I did have a breakthrough, which I'm not ready to share. I'll share the struggle part, but but not the breakthrough publicly yet. But I feel like I I did a lot of reading on um, about Figma, which is why I remembered uh, that that quote earlier in the podcast. Um, a lot of learning about Figma, and even used it for for something over the weekend. And I think Figma is a really interesting example of a of a tool that's also a platform. Right. Yeah. And, and where they had to do some really incredible stuff in the browser to make it possible. I mean, one of the co-founders was actually one of the earliest people to innovate, let's say, using WebGL, which is okay. one of their core breakthroughs. And so it's it's a it's a hard tech, well, hard tech might be the right word, but it's a it's a real tech innovation kind of company like the stuff that they're doing in browser is just incredible you're saying it's not a crud app it's not a crud app exactly which is a fine distinction really it's it's (laughs) you know what they're doing in the browser is amazing and and there's an article um which i think i've mentioned before by kevin kwok uh called why figma wins but Mm. he does an incredible tear down i mean it's thousands of words so i've i've only ever listened to it because i've not read the whole thing in, in text but i've listened to the article multiple times and he just does an incredible um, dissection of the company in terms of why is doing design in the browser so different and important compared to predecessors and i think about some in the same way it's we're not just doing spreadsheets in the cloud you know, when somebody builds a summit model, you're not just building a spreadsheet and saving it to, you know, AWS. No. You're building a model that is actually code and interoperable with everyone else's models in the system. And yeah, it's just a different thing. <laughs> it's a different animal. And um, and so anyway, that, that article is really instructive in my thinking of when you've got one of these different animals, what is that? what is that meant to become? Like, where does that go? Mm-hmm. And so that was, um, that's kind of how I've been thinking the last seven days as the manager is, yeah, what, what is Summit? Nice. Well, people got their share of strategy stuff today then. I hope so. I hope, I hope our <laughs> listeners are happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let us know what you thought. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean, the I really relate to everything you just said. <laughs> it yeah, is, I mean, really is an art, and it's interesting. It's like mm-hmm. how to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um th- at least that's how I approach it. You know, everyone's got their different approach, but I I love this stuff. <laughs> this is yeah. what makes it fun. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, move to the after show. People that don't care about our technical adventures can just you know. <laughs> quite yeah. a short here if they if yeah. they want to Bye. we probably promise we won't be too strategic <laughs> yeah yeah we'll keep it real low level here <laughs> yeah i have a little story i can share um story from the trenches yes um so the other day a user reported that they it basically had a wide screen of death um oh man except they <laughs> they didn't have a wide screen of death they had a white screen of death and like a close closing bracket, <laughs> which was really weird. So like that made, made me think that like some sort of code that was supposed to be executed had just been like served to the client somehow instead of being parsed. Um, or there was, there was like some sort of syntax error or something. Okay. Um, but apparently <laughs> the whole time there's just been this closing bracket on, on the, in the app, <laughs> but you oh, didn't man. see it because we had a, like a full page layout on top of it um, oh, man. but when nothing else is loading that was the only thing that was loading <laughs> <laughs> oh i love it i love um, I, I, I love it yeah it's yeah like, that's and it was funny. a weird thing because we didn't get any like sentry errors or anything like that um but we're moving the we're slowly moving the app to inertia so we've bjorn has converted a few of the views already um to inertia js and and he released that like, you know, a day before or something like that. So one of our paying customers, when they locked into their app, they just got this wide screen of death. And we couldn't really explain why that was happening. And we couldn't reproduce it 
locally or you know in on our own like branch accounts um so finally i added both of us to their team and surely like we got at the same widescreen of death Um, okay reproduction so it yeah so it 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 turned out that like there was some if statement somewhere like that if you had like a certain kind of account and you were in, in that kind of team then like this would happen um so we were able to resolve it pretty quickly um but it was just it was really interesting to have this problem because first of all like uh, it was a paying customer they reported it to us like they were locking in but at the same time they were like you know no stress and i was really like apologizing and stuff like that but they were like super calm about it and you know everything worked in the background like they were still getting like automatic deployments but they just couldn't access the ui and see the locks and stuff like that um Mm -hmm. and you know they even added like you know at the same time we just really want to say like really love the product like we're really happy customers and you know it's just awesome to hear that's nice um yeah and i also ended up um i ended up giving him giving them a free month um just you know for the inconvenience of not being able to log into the app Um, yeah 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 it doesn't make a difference for us and i don't know if it makes a difference for them but it's like a nice gesture um yeah but i just i thought about like how this you know obviously it sucked that they couldn't log in but at the same time like i was it was this i don't know how to say this but like it was such a nice problem to have because a lot of the problems i've had in the past six months is like you know, peeing, people just going silent or, you know, not logging in or not using the product or like not talking to me. But like this was like such a, you know, measurable <laughs> problem. Like, you know, you could, someone was trying to use the product and it didn't work. And like there's probably a pretty simple way we can fix it. Yeah. Um, and I thought about like, you know, even if I lose these people as a customer, like that'll suck. Like they're a great customer. Um, they're power users of the product already and, and, and they love it. And, you know, it would suck to see them go, but at the same time, it's like strategically, like there's nothing about this problem that I'm dealing with right now that prevents branch from like being a success in the future, you know, like it's just yeah. one problem that needs to be fixed. And compared yeah. to like all the other problems I feel like I've had, like this one is like, even if I lose these as a customer, like it doesn't, this problem doesn't affect like the amount of incoming leads or like our growth strategy or anything like that. It's right, like right. such a like tangible problem to have. Mm. <laughs> and That's I just great. missed yeah, having it's, it's, those problems. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that, that um, it's like one of those. Does it make just, sense? <laughs> yeah, it does. It's just this nicely scoped thing. And I, I have a little bit of fear every time I get an, an intercom message or something saying there's a problem. Cause I always worry it's going to be this big thing, you know, and yeah. it's always so nice when it comes back and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Just do this or, or let me look at yeah. it. So you fix it like 10 minutes later. It's like, <laughs> yeah. And it's like the kind of problem yeah. that proves that someone actually wants to use the product. Yes. Yep. Like this, I, I wouldn't have this problem if no one was using the product. No, exactly. I mean, pe- people, people care man hate is yeah the, uh, hate and even frustration hates a strong word but like even frustration is the it's just the other side of the coin of man i really want this thing to work yeah. so <laughs> which is great um yeah so i don't know yeah. like it's hard to explain but like it made kind of made me feel good because i missed having those i guess it's more of a like an operational problem and i kind of missed having those yeah that makes sense i could see how it'd be calming in that way too and if you keep perspective you just look back at it and say, hey, the product, we got stronger. You know, product's better yeah. now. Customers happy yeah, with yeah. service. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so just wanted to share that. Cool, man. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Do you have some fun maker stuff going on this week? I do. I or do. Not so fun. I'll continue. Um, I'll continue the update. Uh, so two Fridays ago, I had the terrible, terrible Friday of oh, yeah. it's time to invest more in deployment. And, yeah. and and really a deployment process um and i um i'm starting to work with a couple of people in uh atlanta georgia um and they're experts at really devops and they're building a service uh, hosted on google cloud that uh is basically a heroku competitor 
Um, and okay. they were, yeah, they saw my tweet, <laughs> Twitter, man. They saw my tweet, uh, reached out to me. I was skeptical, of course, because I'm like, okay, somebody's trying to sell me some, somebody's trying to sell me the solution to my problems. Um, <laughs> but how dare I, they? I know, well, it, nothing wrong with that. I actually, I entertained it, but I'm like, the, the reason that I had the skepticism actually was I, I read the thing and it was like, we can help with that. I'm sitting here going, sure. I'm like, the problem is it's not a, it's not a tools problem. It's a people problem. Like I don't have the yeah. time and the resources to deal with this. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure Heroku works fine. I know it does. That's not the problem. And they said, well, actually we are in the process of building up the service. And if you are willing to give it a try, we'll contribute or invest the time for free. Like, so no, no extra charge to contribute the time. Right. (laughs) So I said, uh, this sounds worth a shot. In the meantime, I'm going to keep Heroku running. I'm not going to stop production, right. Or doing things the way that I'm doing. But I basically said, Hey guys, if you can get a, a better, you know, process up and running on GCP using your tools and, you know, you want to charge me a SaaS subscription or a platform as a service price for that. And you can get that going in parallel and we can have like a, a hot switch, right? Or just a switch over to, to this from, from my Heroku setup because you guys invest the time. I mean, uh, let's give it a shot. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've got, a sh- I've got a shared Slack channel now with them. Um, and I hesitate to mention the name yet because it's not done. But if it, if it goes and it works, I'm definitely going to recommend them to other people, um, which yeah. is a win-win then. Uh, but I've got a shared Slack channel. Like they're hustling. <laughs> they are hustling and I talked to them. They've got real, you know, real senior dev experience at some pretty major SaaS companies, um, but they're nice. starting this on the side. So I, I probably have a combined 20 to 30 years of DevOps experience that's currently Sweet. motivated to set up a great environment for Summit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to pay, you know, platform as a service price for it, which is kind of an uh, amazing um, going back to what we said originally like this podcast and twitter man they just coming through in a clutch potentially so i'm i'm excited about that um i actually by the end of last week was able to go to a url you know hosted on their service um and it loaded a, a staging environment and oh nice had, yeah it had an error still but it was the same error that i was seeing in heroku so like they were able to get to parity in five days and i don't know how much of their time they were spending on it but we're at parity at least and like cool well if you solve the rest of the problems <laughs> then uh i don't know why i wouldn't you know switch um so there's risks and there's trade-offs that come with that of course but i, I don't see it as lock-in i mean it's gcp and it's a pretty yeah can you own your own there. like gcp stuff like yeah they're passing they... they're passing through the costs of that um okay and that's so, good like that's kind of like yeah. laravel vapor where it's like okay. you have to bring your own aws account yeah they have uh, two options they have bring your own cloud and use our cloud and the bring your own cloud part isn't live yet for them um but given that they want to do that it tells me that yes, yeah it's, at some point the vp of engineering at summit could easily say hey guys it's time for us to have our own cloud and this is what we want to do and just do that but you know, in the meantime, I'm using Heroku where everything is literally a black box. So yeah. it's not a step backwards um, from a lock-in perspective. So that's... No, um, right. So that's great. Um, so that was one thing. And the other, yeah, that feels really good to have that running, um, which will unblock the front-end dev that I'm um, contracting for as well as some of the data uh, back-end dev I'm contracting for. The other thing is I had a user, a tiny seed company, that reached out to me on Wednesday of last week saying, hey, Matt, I'm trying to set up a model and I've got this deadline of, of, I've got this really important thing happening on Friday and I actually, I want to use summit to model my business for this um, meeting, this opportunity. And it was just awesome, man, because the use case is perfect. And uh, they went in there and built a model in about, I don't know, 30 minutes or an hour. I don't know. Actually, I just was having a Slack conversation with them, of course, in the, in the tiny seed Slack. Um, they found an error <laughs> in the model and it was the nastiest part of the code base 
in terms of like Uh-oh. the kernel that runs. It, it's just a part that I'm not proud. I wasn't proud of. It was like, mm. why, why is this 50 lines long? You know? And I didn't know why it needed to be so long, but like it, it was working, <laughs> um, <laughs> but then it was not working and they found, but they found a reproducible issue with it. And I, I, I say, man, Wednesday and Thursday were tough in terms of getting to the bottom of it. But yeah. on Thursday morning, I released a, um, I pushed out a change that shrunk those 50 lines to like six lines of code that I understood Beautiful. really well. Yeah. So from 50 lines that I didn't really understand myself very well, um, but basically I thought worked to six lines that I really understood. And I shipped that and it fixed, it fixed the bug, but it introduced one more. So I wrote another unit <laughs> test. I wrote a no, wrote another unit test for that one, the one that I regressed on, and I was able to fix that one too, with I think two extra lines. I, I had to wrap something in a conditional because I was basically doing something wrong. But it actually set me up to do a lot more stuff. So, so here's the thing: fixed a major bug, you know, with less code, <laughs> and <laughs> he was able to, uh, yeah, use this model for a really important meeting at the end of the week. And uh, that's sweet. Invited this, you know person to look at it and just felt so good you know getting the yeah that's getting the value delivered and you know making the product better at the same time so i'm really thankful for that i'm anxious to know how it went eager to know um so yeah i was busy on the busy on the maker side but making really good progress yeah it's always like a trade-off like if you write something from scratch you might introduce something new yeah like a new problem but you also like have more flexibility, so it's hard. Yeah, I mean, I, the thing I ripped out was this apparatus that was like had all these wires dangling off of it and made no sense to me. And I replaced yeah. it with a very clean, you know, op- <laughs> a very clean piece of uh, plumbing, let's say. And so I was, I was more than happy to accept the trade off of okay, actually this, this, uh, this works for this now. But what about that? It's like, oh yeah, okay, I need to adapt that. And then I did, and and now, man. It gave me this confidence where now I want to go do more marketing, which I think is a good sign. Like, yeah, when, when you get yeah. this boost of confidence in the product, we're thinking, man, I could write a whole blog post about how to use this now because I know that's where it I'm at so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is awesome. I need to tell yeah. more people about it. That's just it's a cloud nine, man. One of the DevRel podcasts I listened to, they talked to someone who had been starting up you know, you know, basically DevRel teams at different companies over time. So he was talking about how to do that from scratch. And he was saying, you know, the first, you know, a lot of these podcasts and, and, and resources, it's usually a big company that has like an API. So it, they're trying to like motivate developers around their API. It's mm-hmm. a little bit different with a company like Branch. Um, because th- it's probably more similar to what you would do, but with a company like Brain, just like all our customers are basically developers. Mm. Um, so it's a little bit different, but like he was saying, the first person you need to bring on that team is someone to create content and write, basically. Okay. Because, you know, that's where it all starts, like on your developer portal or your documentation and stuff like that. You know, like as soon as you have someone who is producing content, like you have something that other people can use to like, go marketing or like be some sort of evangelist travel around go to conferences and you know it's just like it all starts with the written word or whatever however your content looks like yeah um so that's something i'm you know it kind of like confirmed to me that i was maybe thinking in the right direction in terms of the hire i'm thinking about yeah no for sure um i i am ready to i i told investors of mine that I was going to spend August improving onboarding, really getting this next wave of signups, you know, engaged and the tool, you know, building confidence in the tool. I, I know there's, there's a lot more to do, like, but I feel like a step change from where I was 30 days ago. Right. And I'm ready to start just teaching the world what this thing can do as Mm. opposed to kind of worrying if it really lives up to my own, (laughs) my own hype, like my own, mental yeah. my own conception of what it can do right yeah yeah so it's exciting yeah and like my my um 
objective for Q1 was to basically create like the branch engine that can take a freemium user and convert them to a paid customer and has like that right positioning and value proposition. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that didn't happen in Q1. Like it took longer, but I feel like that's where we're at now because I'm seeing it work. Mm. So like, you know, it's working. I can't wait to like double down on marketing in Q4 and like try to see how how much we can push yeah. people through that funnel and 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 see how it how it works at that scale. Um, yep, it's just yep. exciting, man. Good. Well, I think we uh, finished the trenches review. Yes, we did. Nice. Um, you also have another podcast to record, right? With a secret secret yeah. person, I guess. Secret. Um, so we got something cute when i'm on paternity leave yeah 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 we'll keep that under wraps i guess for now but yeah excited to yeah. do that this afternoon and that's gonna be very exciting i can't wait to listen to that one i can't wait to have it because this, the set of questions i want to ask are all the ones that i've always wanted to ask when i when i've heard previous interviews yeah. with this person so it's someone <laughs> we've mentioned many times on this, this podcast and i feel like we've accumulated yeah you know a whole <laughs> queue of stuff to talk about absolutely yeah yeah Awesome. So, cool, man. All right, sir. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.